That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us on the Whiskey Raiders podcast. It's another week. There is more whiskey in front of us. I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, John. Man, it feels like it's been forever and no time at all. How are you doing, my friend? Doing well. I'm excited about what we get to talk about, what we get to sip on tonight. Uh, a lot of stuff yeah. has happened in a little time here. It has been the spiciest 24 hours for me in a long time, which is it's kind of weird, you know, but uh, some would say we're wise men for, for the whiskey we have in front of us. We'll hit on that in a few. We've got not one, not two, but we have three bourbons to go through tonight. John and I have three in front of us here. We've got a big hit of news as Justin's House of Bourbon has recently been raided by state officials, it seems. And, uh, you know, there's always a little whiskey banter here and there. So what do you say? Should we uh, start on off, John? We should. Uh, I think uh, that was a pretty good tie-in there with the uh, Kentucky Owl, Wise Man, Confiscated kind of lingo going into the state official raid there. That's nice. I like the way you did that. You set it up nicely for us. I'm wearing try-hard pants today. I yeah, like your I style. Those are nice-looking <laughs> pants, by the way. Oh, uh, you know it. So first off here, I've got a... Uh, uh, you told a minor lie, which... I think is a very good thing to do in our case. Uh, we've got two bourbons and a rye, so not three bourbons, but we can uh, also address that as we go here. Oh, that's right. Here I am throwing wrenches already. I forgot. you. Uh, I have a bourbon in front of me. You have a bourbon and rye. I, I swear I haven't been drinking it tonight, so this one's a, a good old goof. Okay, perfect. So let's crack into it. The first one I'm going to taste through here is Kentucky Owl, the Wise Man Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. This is coming in at 90.8 proof. I don't believe there's an age statement on here. I didn't actually scour the bottle all that well, but I don't see anything jumping out of me. Yeah, I don't know, to be honest with you. So I have Kentucky Owl confiscated in front of me, which is a sort of an ironic tie-in as well. But I don't believe that there's age statements on any of these. I just looked at my bottle. I don't see one. Uh, notably, uh, you know, Kentucky Owl, is a brand that's been around for a while. It's seen some big changes. It's seen some little changes. Uh, clearly, they're still pumping out whiskey. But I'm curious because, you know, Wiseman's been popping up uh, left and right, it seems. Every time I go to a new store, 
someone's got Wiseman in. Yeah, this is their, I would say, entry-level product. I believe the SRP on the Wiseman bourbon and rye is in the 50-ish dollar mark, and that could go five bucks one way or the other. So you may, okay. be, may be talking 45 to 55 bucks for these. Uh, I will crack into this a little bit, share a couple of notes and a couple of thoughts on it, and then after we could dive into the Kentucky Owl Confiscated Bourbon and talk a little bit about that. Yeah, and you know, while you're getting going, Kentucky Owl is an interesting brand because we usually don't see whiskey brands that kind of work in this way, right? So Kentucky Owl started years back. I want to say they first launched in 2015 or maybe even 2014 after, you know, a big, uh, a period of being dormant. And they started with super high-end offerings, you know, hundreds of dollars, really small releases. This is back when uh, Dixon Deadman was involved with the brand. Recently, they've, uh, they've released Dry State, which was really expensive. It was $1,000. Uh, confiscated here in front of me is about $125 MSRP, I believe. It so is, it's yes. been interesting to watch them work down from the top shelf where some brands, you know, they launch all their products at once or they start with a little of this and a little of that at every different price point. But it's uh, unusual that the last product we see is kind of that value evergreen, you know, get it because it's available type of product. So I'm curious what you think. Yeah, that's true. It's a good way to look at this too, is it's come full circle as a brand. And like you said, there's been a major set of evolutions along the way of, you know, resurrecting a pre-prohibition era brand and then a major acquisition and then the managing partner or owner, however he was looked at, uh, moving out and leaving the brand alone. So there's been a lot of changes in there. And like you said, we kind of went from the top shelf down to what could be perceived as probably the lower middle shelves with this release at its price point. As I dig into it here, I'm getting like actually some pretty decent layers of oak, spice, banana nut bread, some, uh, almost butter popcorn vibes to it. It's good overall on the nose. I like a hint of youth on there. I mean, this is labeled as straight bourbon, so I know it's going to be four years old or older. Sure. I wouldn't be shocked if it's just a hair over that, maybe five, six max, I would imagine. But overall, it's uh, it's pretty inviting on the nose, really. It makes me kind of want to get into there and try it out. And as it hits the palate, I get like a really good kick of spice. Oh, it kind of holds it together there, but then it kind of opens up into this much sweeter sip and has a little bit longer finish than I would have thought it would at its, you know, mildly lower proof point. So overall, it's actually holding its own fairly good for about the price point. If I were to compare this to something in terms of price, I would say this is battling against something like Baker Seven Year or Rare Breed or something, it's in that 50 to $55 range. So they've got some pretty stiff competition in that range. No kidding. It does seem kind of like it's fit to compete with Kentucky Spirit as well. I know Kentucky Spirit is a single barrel, but right. um, you know, being being proofed, this might be a more apt comparison. Um, it, it's interesting, the confiscated here, the one I'm sipping has this big nuttiness on the nose that reminds me a lot of Knob Creek. So that Baker's that Baker's comment kind of rings with what I'm getting here in the whiskey itself. Yeah, there's a touch of fruit going on with this too as well. So it kind of hits a lot of different directions. I mean, it's pretty well balanced overall. It's not like grabbing me by the pal and saying like, hey man, I'm here to party, like, let's do this. <laughs> but it is, I would say, I would word this as fine bourbon. I've tasted this through a few times now. And I feel like I am just about ready to put this up on my website. So you'll be able to catch review of this on the bourbonfinder.com pretty soon by the time this airs it will probably be damn near posted 
but I would say that this is um, probably priced a few bucks higher than it's punching, okay. meaning that in that Wild Turkey, Kentucky Spirit, or Rare Breed, uh, Knob Creek, $50 price point, $55 price point, it's got competition that may edge it out, but this is going to be one of those ones that's a little bit dependent on the drinker because this is a lower proof point. It is more approachable than some of those others. I find Kentucky Spirit to be sometimes underwhelming for me. Those I don't know if it's just the single barrel variants or if it's just the fact that the sometimes those to me just kind of seem like the most boring thing in the wild turkey portfolio. And I know that that's going to piss off turkey fans and I'm sorry for it, but I'm also not sorry because Russell's Reserve is there and you can buy that or Rare Breed if you don't feel like wild turkey Kentucky Spirit's your thing, which is me. So like I skip that and I grab Rare Breed every time and I'm happy with that. So. Yeah, that's kind of a funny aside now that you mention it, because that is what I think Baker's has become for a lot of people, right? You could go to Booker's, which is higher proof, or a Knob Creek single barrel, which is going to be higher proof, or you could go to a higher age, like the 12-year, or you could just go to the nine-year small batch. Like, you know, Kentucky Spirit lives in this weird place where you have to really want Kentucky Spirit to buy it because right. there's products in the own catalog that like kind of edge it out, which is weird. Yeah, to me. I feel like Kentucky Spirit made a lot of sense when it was battling Blanton's for the premium single barrel shelf space at, you know, a hair under 50 Great bucks. Point. It made yeah. a lot more sense then than it does now. And that's not necessarily a fault of Kentucky Spirit. It may be a little bit of a market misjudgment by Campari and not adjusting it accordingly. But then again, with the budget central crowd of many of the wild turkey products, it is a little bit of like the uh, bag over the head, punch in the face, kind of Clark W. Griswold comment to say that you're going to take this product that's always been there for this price and move it up. So I can see why they haven't messed with it. But at the same time, it's at least less messy than Beam's whole portfolio that you just mentioned of like ages, proofs, and values being all over the place. And nobody understands it, including Beam. I'm damn near convinced. Yeah, that's a good point too. So we'll we'll move on. We... uh. In an upcoming episode, we'll have a super special turkey announcement, but I think that is best saved for a different day. Yeah, that's a good tease, um, though. Yeah, I mean, guys, if you haven't, you know, we, we appreciate you listening. You are going to want to stay tuned because we it, it's a little too soon to drop the meatball, but the meatball, it's big. It'll be a fun one. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a future episode. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. But in front of me here, I have Kentucky Owl confiscated, so... Apparently, in 1916, uh, the feds came and took all of Kentucky Al's bourbon, you know, back when they were a different brand being run. Um, clearly, this is kind of just a story-based whiskey. Uh, you know, I, I don't have problems with whiskeys that tell stories because, in this case, it appears to be true, which is great. Um, a lot of distilleries like to kind of conjure up some maybe false history about recipes and grandpappies and stuff like that. But right. this is a 48%, uh, 48.2% Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey it uh you know this one for me reminds me a lot of knob creek it's got a big 
a nutty nose. It's got a lot of like like kind of that baking spice and toffee and and tobacco and, and nutty like a you know like a peanut brittle kind of thing. So I I like it. it. It's it's really I won't say it's super complex, but it's got nice oak. Like I feel like this has some pretty good age to it, even though it's uh, like it's not age dated. Um, the only thing that's getting me is I I look it up. The price is a hundred and twenty five dollars. Right. For me, I don't really know. Like, who is this for is kind of what's throwing me off. Like, you know, is there a crowd of people that want a low proof, no age statement, you know, non-disclosed source Kentucky whiskey for $125? Because, you know, this to me could go toe to toe with Knob Creek nine year small batch, which is a third of that. Yeah, maybe. No, totally. I mean, whereas the wise man is not entirely straightforward and not simple, but it is maybe two-dimensional, where this certainly steps that up and brings in layers of complexity, very much more age. I mean, whatever the blending components of this are, some of it is certainly in a much older realm, which probably is what part of pushed this uh, SRP up as high as it did. But I think also part of it is the bottle's a little bit more premium style. It's a little bit more duded up. This thing looks a little bit sharper. And I think this was... To try to answer your question, I think this was aimed a little bit more at the person who is walking into the liquor store, either looking for the bottle that they have never seen or never had before, or is looking for a fairly nice gift, and they're willing to get into that triple-digit spending range. And so this is the, oh, geez, I've never seen that, or I've never had that one before. Or maybe somebody who is even in the, like, entryway to their enthusiast world of bourbon and has heard about the earliest batches of Kentucky Owl Rye and things like that that have kind of piqued their interest. And they say, oh, holy shit, I know Kentucky Owl. I want to try that out. 125 bucks isn't like crazy. Okay, I'll give it a whirl. Like maybe that's who that's for. I'm not sure. I feel like personally this is priced in the neighborhood of 40 to 50 bucks too high. I'm with you there. You brought up a really good point. So you know, contents, and, and it's kind of tough because we don't rate based on value with curators. Like, I, I right. like this. This is good bourbon. I think this has some great qualities to it. Yeah, it's tasty. When it comes to the more conversational aspect of talking to you guys, like, I do agree. This is, you know, coming off the holidays, that's a great point. Like, this is priced to get your attention. And for folks, you know, this is audio. I've got the bottle here. It's friggin' just beautiful label. Like, it's got the story on the back. It's embossed. It's, oh, you've it's, got the new bottle. Yeah, it's I've got gold. the old bottle where the the flames on the burning building there are oh. not in color. Yeah, we've uh this is Kentucky Al Confiscated remastered. This is like the 4K Blu-ray version. That is. You've got the HDR going on. I I'm still living in a non-HD world it would seem. <laughs> so, I I get your point. I I think it is well placed. I'm sure this sold great during the holidays. And you know, if you're looking the more I think about it, like if, if I had a boss who loved bourbon, but just kind of loved, you know, was like, yeah, I'm going to get my boss something. And, and he likes whiskey from time to time. Uh, what a great gift. Like, it's good. I wouldn't be mad if I had to like drink it with him, you know, in the office working later. True. Yeah. Overall, definitely. I think that this is probably marketed to different people than that enthusiast crowd that wanted all those early batches of, you know, those high proof, high age statements and, and high, you know, just the high dollar amount bottles but overall i like it it's it's very knob creek-esque and you know you know how much i love knob creek true yeah we are both big fans of that uh yeah i like this one quite a bit overall flavor wise i mean again like you said value price things like that are not part of 
either of our rating systems. What we're doing here is just sharing opinions and thoughts about this as we taste through it. If you want the actual scores that we give these things, you can catch them on either of our websites for sure. That'd be Whiskey Raiders or on the Bourbon Finder. And like either way, I think this does most of what they were aiming for, which is cool. Like doesn't always happen that way with a brand, especially when they're releasing something over the $100 price point. Definitely. You know, I, it's cool to see them experiment. I will never get sad with brands releasing, you know, new stuff. And it's kind of cool. Like, and, and for those who don't know, Dixon Deadman, who revived this brand and then sold it to Stoli, um, Stoli Group, yes, the vodka people, um, he has departed the brand. So he's no longer with it. He's off doing his own thing. Um, so this is kind of Stoli taking the reins. And while it's not the most logical step for me, like a vodka conglomerate could have made way worse choices as far as I'm concerned. True. Like, well, I'm I'm willing to, willing to uh, give them time and see how it checks out so in yeah you know this wraps the bourbon but you've got you've got a little rye in front of you i do i've got the rye here let me start nosing that a little bit and i'll check the proof point on it which is going to be oh this steps up a little bit this is 100.8 proof so this is going to be a oh, kentucky that's... straight rye whiskey okay that's that's actually pretty nice like you know uh, probably still no age statement but getting over that 100 100 proof hump usually helps yeah, so there's no age statement carried on this one either. So we know that we're talking at least four years old, which is nice. It says straight. Yeah, so being a rye, you do need to pay a little bit of attention to the label on these because whereas bourbon legally cannot have any additives or anything at all, rye that does not say that it is straight could. So there is that minor distinction that doesn't always make a huge difference, but it's nice to know what exactly you've got. So being that it is a Kentucky-style rye, we imagine that it's probably a lower rye content, not going to be that big spicy boy Alberta rye that we dig. Maybe <laughs> going to be a little bit more on the sweet side. So I'm going to dig in here and give you a couple of thoughts. Okay, I love it. This is, I cannot remember the last time I had a rye from Kentucky Owl, so I'm, I'm curious to hear. But Hunter Proof, that sounds pretty good to me. I'm thinking this would probably compete with something like a Rittenhouse, you know, a, a bottle and a bond four year, hundred proof rye, uh, maybe Pikesville based on, you know, kind of the mash bill. Uh, I'm, I'm really curious. Yeah. So initially on the nose, it reminds me a little bit of Sazerac rye, a little bit of that, like bubblegum kind of characteristic oh, to it. Um, some like almost like a spearmint in the background, uh, a little kick of the rye there. It's fairly soft. And not in a bad way. Okay. Doesn't doesn't have any youth going on or anything like that. It's not uh, not turning me away. Sometimes those younger ryes can kind of have like this almost sour note to them that just makes me be like, I just wish this had another year before I was getting into it. Where with a bourbon, you know, it could take a little bit longer for it to totally mature and get to the point where we want to sip it. But no, this is decent. Um, I think it drinks below that proof point. Really, it's it's pretty uh, pretty approachable here. I'd love to hear that. This. Uh... I was I was trying to think of rise where I was like, oh man, it, it is super close to being on that line, and and all I can think of is chicken cock rye. Like it's so close, but it just needs, I don't know if it's a year or nine months or two years, but like talk about like almost to the finish line. Um, and I guess sometimes I feel that way about Rittenhouse. I do really like Rittenhouse, but some days I remember why it's like my Manhattan in volumes. Like if I need to make a bunch of Manhattans, I make Rittenhouse. Yeah, that's fair. Like good stuff. That's fair. So this is definitely vibrant. It's bright. It's got some good sweetness to it. Uh, some decent layers with oak in there. 
a little bit of rye spice to it, but not a ton. It's certainly fitting the mold for a Kentucky rye. I think this is, again, somewhat middle of the road. I don't know. This next to Rittenhouse is going to be a tough battle because of the price. I think Rittenhouse has a, good point. Rittenhouse has a really good, cheap. yeah, it's got a really good edge on it there. So there's, again, I, I guess my overall takeaway from these is that the price point isn't bad, but these are priced in a way that there's a lot of competition around them. They're both fine, the Wise Man Bourbon and Wise Man Rye. I like both of them. I just think that, again, their price point might end up being a little bit of a, a sticky point for it. Okay. And I think, you know, overall brands, if, if you're going, I'm trying to think of the right way to put this. If you, if you're going to make a misstep, I think price is the easiest one to come back from. Yes. Right? Like, it's not like, oh gosh, this is way too young or we bottled it way too old. It's totally, you know, totally past its prime or we watered this way down. Like price is the only thing you can really move on whiskey that you've already bottled. So you know, I'm curious, maybe we'll see some deep sales in the future. Maybe this is selling like gangbusters and maybe it's just not big in Wisconsin because I don't see it a lot and I don't really hear people talk about it. But overall, I like what I'm drinking, which is kind of fun. Like it's it's not often that we get something that we're like, OK, well, I know nothing about this, but like, let's give it a go. Right. Um, and it turns out to be like pretty darn good. But I'm I'm really curious to see what feels like a new chapter for Kentucky L and to see you know, how consumers view it. Cause I feel like they're just kind of getting started. Like it's been out for a little while, but I feel like they're still getting started. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah, they're definitely feeling things out as they go, which is good. And the ability to be nimble and adjust as you need is great. And also seeing them try to roll out stuff that's a little bit more budget friendly where, I mean, there are probably many mentions across the internet about confiscated and dry state and things like this that were just like, too expensive for what they were. We both uh, reviewed Dry State, actually. And again, I thought that was fine. It tasted good. Uh, it was better than fine. It was good. And yeah. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I liked it. But I mean, at the same time, boy, that's a lot of money for what it is. And and to be fair, like you and I come from a place of privilege. Like we get to try a lot of expensive whiskey. And right. You know, it is a fun part of this job. We also try a lot of really terrible whiskey. But um, I mean, we we've had some some bad stuff over the years. Oh that's, yeah. That's another episode, but you know, we're happy to call out something and be like, all right, you know what? This whistle pig was $600, $700 and it was awesome. Um, dry state also just kind of feels like confiscated. Like it was good whiskey. I just don't know what was there to make it, you know, demand that sticker price. And right. I, I think, you know, if a brand is going to have that identity, there's worse identities to have. We'll see how they change. We'll see if they do new stuff, but I do like to see them, you know, kind of tackling these uh, more budget-friendly tiers and trying to create some new fans out of people who just weren't looking to pay for those $300, you know, batch bourbons with the yellow label. Yeah, I think if you are in the world of, I've tried a few different bourbons and or rise, I'm excited by them, I like where they're going, I am interested in stepping up to maybe a 50-ish dollar bottle, what do I get? My recommendation would be, Try this if you can, but you might grab another bottle first in that price range. And then once you've tried through some of the ones in that price range, then try this out because I think you're definitely going to be, you're going to enjoy the comparison. Yeah. And it, it's good whiskey overall. Like I'm, I'm thoroughly yep. enjoying this and some nights it's nice to not just have something that's ripping your head off with proof, but 
um, really up to the drinker on on the value call on this one. Which you know, talking about confiscated here, I think is pretty is is a good segue. I, I won't just like softball myself into it. So if you have a whiskey that you really want us to try, if you have opinions, thoughts, or comments, feel free to drop me an email, jay at whiskeyraiders.com, or hit us in the comments. You know, we'd love to hear from our listeners. And quite frankly, you know, John and I, we can try whatever is available. So if you have something you really want to try, we'll track it down. We'll figure out our thoughts. You know, we have a we get to have a lot of fun on the pod, good, bad, or otherwise. So if you've been dying to hear about something, we'll tackle it. And with that, I think we go in. I mean, this is about a spicy meatball that's come across the news desk for us. I'm trying to think in months. Yeah, months maybe. Definitely. There is trouble brewing, not just in Louisville, but in Lexington as well. Justin's House of Bourbon appear to have gotten themselves in some hot water, uh, potentially, allegedly, we'll, we'll say for now, with the Kentucky State Beverage Board. Right. Uh, they were raided yesterday. Yeah, yesterday afternoon. So on the 17th of January. And apparently, according to Fred Minnick and some other industry reporters, uh, they've taken some bourbon away. So I'm curious. It seems like this is uh, still developing very much. So this won't be the end of it. But I'm curious for your thoughts, John, because you've, you've heard a little bit about it as well. Yeah, I did also reach out to uh, Justin's House of Bourbon, and I haven't heard back yet. I would imagine at this point they are either not willing or not able to comment, which is totally fine. Like, I don't expect uh, a whole lot to come of it at this exact moment. But yeah, it's uh, it, so the way that this story first started rolling out, the first rumors of it were that the ATF had raided Justin's House of Bourbon. And that was sort of like all that was happening. And people were kind of looking around there saying all sorts, of, you know, crazy, crazy uh, rumors and speculation flying around. And we've now at least uh, got some actual journalism going on and found out that it was the Kentucky ABC that raided and evidently the ATF had nothing to do with it, knew nothing about it. So they've at least got that going for them, I guess. Uh, this also means that it is, rather than being a federal investigation or anything of that nature, it is something where, as a licensee in the state of Kentucky, they sort of have to submit to search and evidently, in this case, seizure at their will. Yeah, that that aspect to me was really interesting. So so first off, yes, every rumor in the book has like come across our desk. And, and really, at this point... Until this report came out, pretty much every bureau I've ever heard of was like accused of being involved, except for maybe like Kentucky's DMV. I think that's the only three-letter department. Like you know, people would be like, like, oh, take you know, I, I heard this. Like it was it was the IRS or the FBI or the DOJ or the you know. And I was like, the only one we haven't talked about is the DMV at this point. But um, it says you know, Fred Minnick is reporting that uh, the violations you know they're being investigated for are associated with the improper acquisition, possession, transport, and sale of bourbon, mostly including vintage distilled spirits. So this is really interesting to me because Justin's House of Bourbon has really taken advantage of a Kentucky state law that lets stores in specific, you know, in Kentucky go ahead and purchase from private citizens. So it's interesting that this is what's gotten them in. You know, it, it, it seems like this should be within the law, but I'm curious what violations, you know, they may or may not find because you don't need a search warrant to investigate someone involved with alcohol in Kentucky. Yeah, I'm very interested to see. So evidently this stemmed from a complaint, which who knows what that will shake out to be. You know, at this point, we're hearing that it is an undisclosed amount of product that was taken from them. And so we don't know if this is stemming from a private seller who was unhappy with something or if this is another licensee 
meaning a liquor retailer in the state of Kentucky. We don't really know where the angle of attack kind of came from, how it got put onto the radar of the Kentucky ABC. But either way, this is going to turn out to be something that I think is going to have some ripple effect across the, not just the state of Kentucky, but across the entire bourbon world. It should be pretty interesting to see it unfold. Yeah. And, 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 you know, an interesting note too, is a lot of people have been like, oh man, like Justin's is done for. And while the stores are closed right now, um, you know, Kristen, I'm going to butcher this last name, Kristen Voskel, the executive director of communications and public outreach for the protection cabinet, which includes ABC and Kentucky has said that their licenses are still active for Fred Minnick. So they haven't been shut down. You know, the government can kind of do this whenever they want. They'll do it, you know, how they want it. I, I bet that we've got a couple of weeks of lawyers talking to lawyers on both sides of the table, and we're going to hear even more rumors and, you know, we'll, we'll see how it shakes out in the end. But uh, this could be interesting, especially for folks who really, you know, people would line up at distilleries and then I would watch them drive to Justin's and just resell the stuff. You know, people would be, you know, checking the values of those old Fitzgerald decanters. Right in line to see because you you could do that before people would wait in line in heaven hill buy an old fitzgerald decanter go sell it at jayhob uh, people would sell their blantons and stuff so the source of the complaint here i think is just important as the complaint itself and you know at this time it's developing so we'll we'll definitely keep folks posted as, as this comes up i th this seems far from over yeah i mean and being the uh justin's house suburban insiders that we are we should have some comments on this. And like I'm saying that facetiously, but we should have <laughs> Dude, some, like, Wait, we should have some commentary from them on this fairly soon. And we should be able to, I think, at least form up some pretty radical opinions on it that probably make no sense. It'll be really fun. It's yeah, we, every now and then we break our rule of no predictions, but as far as insider, yeah, I'm, I'm still growing brats on the parking lot, but this could have implications for a lot of places in Kentucky. So this, this will almost assuredly become, you know, kind of a big spectacle. And it, and it goes hand in hand. I've been hearing a lot of speculation, too. I'm not ready to make any comment about it. But, you know, Sazerac has sued RNDC, their previous distributor, that they they literally just, you know, cleaved away from uh, starting in February. So there's there's never been a hotter time for controversy in bourbon as far as, like, big giants just going head to head. And I'm curious, you know, if Justin's was part of the crossfire, who, who else are we going to see? So it's, uh, yeah, that's it's a true. wild day. It's a wild day for bourbon. Yeah, the snowball effect there could be pretty large. I guess we would be remiss if we didn't mention the Sazerac lawsuit there and the subsequent change in distribution for them. And like many people have started wondering, like, <laughs> geez, this is kind of like the timing of this is great where Buffalo Trace is announcing that they've like brought their other still online. Like they've got so much more capacity now. They're going to be able to add this many tens of thousands of gallons to their production. It's going to be awesome. And at the same time, they're stepping down from what is effectively one of the largest or widest distribution networks to start scattering everything on much smaller scale to smaller distributors here and there. Like if they're going to have this much more product and using smaller, so to speak, distribution, what is that going to do for getting bottles from A to B? Like there's a lot of, just like a lot of room for very fun speculation and talk and let me tell you folks are speculating left and right oh i love I it i have gotten the whiskey raiders tip line is filled with tips i don't know how many of them are valuable but i've heard every theory in the book right down to like you know like like uh, justin's was named in the lawsuit and the lawsuits about this stuff because ultimately you know we, we can view the lawsuit we can view the complaint 
Um, Sazrak is saying that RNDC wasn't paying invoices. That's bad. Like you got to pay for product. And you they're do saying have that to they pay didn't for it. do a good enough job marketing the product, which is interesting because Buffalo Trace kind of sells itself. And right. then thirdly, you know, I've heard conjecture that, you know, they're going after RNDC who would, uh, who would say, well, you know, you got to buy X amount of Wheatley or Fireball to get this kind of stuff. And, and that's a really hot topic for whiskey drinkers because they get super upset when you have to buy, you know, five bottles of this or four bottles of that to get this thing while the stores have to do the same thing to get that antique collection. So, cause Sazerac owns Buffalo trace and Barton and, you know, fireball and all that kind of stuff. Like this is, if not the biggest whiskey business out there, this is pretty close. So I, I, I think we're seeing a little bit of history being made every day in this lawsuit, I think is, is kind of like the reality TV bad breakup. That's just begun. Ooh, I like that. I like that. That certainly uh, shapes this up nicely. And I mean, hopefully by the time we record for our next session here, there's some even juicier bits for us to kind of chew on and discuss here. But uh, for now, I guess I'm eagerly waiting to see what breaks next. Yeah, I think this is a good place for us to leave. I mean, uh, you know, this is kind of the fun part. We record the pod every week. So we'll we'll give you guys the heads up and the analysis. Right now, it, it's almost, you know, we're at the point where we get to say like, this is what's happening. And, and we don't have enough information to really dig deep into the analysis. So I feel... Like the coming weeks will be really interesting. We'll hit some more whiskeys. But, you know, if you guys are looking for the full reviews, I know that I have my review ready to be posted on Confiscated from Kentucky Al. Uh, that'll be live when this episode goes live. I know that John will have his reviews on thebourbonfinder.com as well. And and overall, just a note, you know, if you're enjoying the pod, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can find us on Discord. You can find us at patreon.com slash the whiskey net or just find John and I on social media. You know, he's a the bourbon finder and I'm take.review or at Whiskey Raiders, you know, you can find us, talk to us. We would love to know what you would like to hear covered both in whiskey and current events. And I think that's, you know, I'm going to go back to drinking this because it's pretty good. But what do you think, John? Yeah, that I think that about does it. We hit the, uh, the bourbon, we hit the news, let's call it. All right. Well, thank you guys. We will catch you in the next episode. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for sharing with a friend. As always, I am Take, joined by John from the Bourbon Finder. Catch all of your news. We have a breaking story going out on this as well soon. And uh, we will see you at whiskeyreaders.com and here again next week for the next episode. So cheers, guys. Cheers.